call is now being recorded. We are SC Podcast. Gary Paskowitz joined by John Major. And, uh, John, we are five games into the 2018 season. And, and so wanted to kind of break down what you are seeing so far from uh, particularly JT Daniels, since that is your chosen position, and, and also as, as it relates to JT within the USC offense and, and how things are going so far. So just wanted to kind of have you uh, start up at the top here and give us your general impressions on, uh, on what jumps out to you when, when, you're, when you're looking at JT and what he's done so far. Yeah, Gary. Um, well, look, I'm going to be very positive with, with what JT has accomplished five, five games into a true freshman season and handicapping that with the fact that he has not had the ability to sit behind a veteran and just, and I'm not talking sit behind three years. I'm just talking one season and at mm-hmm. least seeing all the little things that, that, that go into becoming, you know, an elite quarterback that uh, are not necessarily things you learn being on the field playing, but maybe just being in the meeting rooms, being in a halftime, seeing when things aren't going well, seeing how the adjustments are made, seeing how quarterback reacts to maybe a poor performance or a loss, how he reacts on Monday, um, how he comes back and plays well the next week. I mean, if you look around the country right now at the elite quarterbacks, you have Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, had JT Barrett to sit behind, McSorley had Christian Hackenberg. Say what you want about Hackenberg in the NFL, but he was a first-round pick. Um, McSorley's at Penn State, obviously, and then uh, Tua at uh, Alabama sat behind Jalen Hurts, and uh, even Sam Darnold had uh, Cody Kessler to sit behind and kind of see, see all the little things that go into becoming an elite player. And so, so JT not having that, I think he's done an exceptional job, kind of picking it up on the fly as he's going. And there are obviously things he can get better at. Okay, yeah, because he's even had in those five games, there have, been, there have been good games, and there's been games that, hey, you know, there, there have been some struggles with, uh, with various elements. But like you say, he, he has been, surprisingly, for a guy being thrown in there, uh, relatively consistent when, when you look at what he's done. Right, and I think, I think when they, once they dialed back his, his attempts a little bit and, and tried to take a little right. bit off of his plate after Texas game, and he came back, and only I think he went from. I mean, how many you would know better? How many attempts did he have in Texas game? Forty-three, something, forty something. Oh, I, I think I want to say forty-seven, and then now it's down to yeah. 20. And they dialed like it back to like twenty-five. Be. Yeah, he dialed it back to twenty-five against Washington State, and he had his best game, right? So, um, I think I think um, also, you know, they didn't. There was one situation that stood out to me against Arizona. I mean, it's late in the game, nine minutes left. It's third and nine and Trojans are up 24 to 7. Okay, and and Tate for all his poor play in the first half did play well in the second half, but it was kind of after this point, after this play. Okay, so it's 39 and we have they rushed six, they bring both backers, they bring four four defensive linemen. So no secondary blitz, just the whole front, six. We have six back there to block. We have five linemen and and buys back there, but they have by releasing for some reason. He walls off Austin Jackson on the, as the backside tackle. He can't get to his guy. He loops the defense then loops around, hits JT in the back. He fumbles, right? So is is it really JT's fault, or is it kind of thinking it through, saying we got a true freshman back there? Do we need him throwing third and nine? Well, the game's in hand if we probably just run the ball, take another fifty seconds off the clock, and punt. We play field position, and. Um, 
So that's that's in his defense, he shouldn't have been in that position probably. I, I don't know if I'd put a true freshman in that position. And you could argue, well, he's five games in, he's not a true freshman anymore. But still, you have to understand that that could change the flow of the game, and it did because the next play, Tate threw a 65-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden it's a 24-14 game with still nine minutes left. So they're back in the game instead of us just at that point saying, let's just dial it back and play a field field position game. So um, so a lot of these things are, are really schematic and decision-making, not in JT's hands, but, um, you know, and he'll learn from them. He'll, as a veteran, he may say, hey, let's not do that. Let's just run the ball, coach. What are we thinking? You know, he can throw things back at him at the coaches and suggest things, and that's what veterans mm-hmm. often do. And the coaches say, you're right. I trust you. Let's do that. Good, good point. So that'll come as we go along here. I, I, I think we've seen that kind of just in – in any element, like you say, when you're throwing the ball 47 times uh, on the road against Texas, is that the that the best thing for a true freshman in his third game? I'll look back, at, you know, not supporting him enough with the run early on. Um, I think there there was elements of that. I'll look at the Stanford game right before halftime, uh, the decision on the fourth down to have him throwing. Um, yeah. Which you can question that. So I, I, I agree with you. I think those are elements of that that – Boy, how much are we putting on his plate early on and expecting him to do? When, as we've seen, we have a ground game that can that can get it going. Um, if, we do. if you're committing to enough to enough runs for them, right? And there's and there's but there's also things in the run game that if you're looking at the total offense that I I little, that seem a little different that you don't see normally. I mean, you don't see a center. Toa is pulling a lot. He's snapping the ball and getting out. The only guy I know that pulled a lot as a center was Bruce Matthews after he was on my offensive line and then went to the NFL and and moved to center because he's so talented he could get out there and knew what he was doing. You know, he, he had a little skill at it. Could get so you're back. talking one of the greatest what, offensive linemen in history. <laughs> exactly. And I think Toa is probably our best blocker on the offensive line. So he's making great blocks out there on the perimeter. But if you saw right before halftime, we had a nice 17-yard gain down to the 13-yard line um, with Carr. And uh, Cole was out there leading the block. And you can even, you know, commentators were all, you know, really singing his praises for what he was doing out there. But then you get back and we botched the snap. We can't get the snap off. We got three guys trying to call timeout. We got we got a whole just, – just a complete mess. And – uh they get the ball. They go back. They, you know, unfortunately they missed. We blocked the field goal, but they never should have been in that position. We should have scored another touchdown there. So um, it's things like that that kind of scratch your you scratch your head a little bit. And I think that's more game management and maybe some play design and some offensive line design that that does not give you the optimal chance to cut down on some of these turnovers or mistakes. And let me ask you this: we we've talked about the concept of huddling before. Um, and I would think yeah. with a true freshman like JT that it would it would almost behoove you more to to go to a huddle. I'll, I'll look at the incident of fourth and two or fourth and one really uh, against Texas when we ended up having some miscommunication uh, on the offensive line is what Clay Helton called it, and there there was nobody out pulling in front of Stephen Carr. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? That uh, maybe with a true freshman quarterback, the ability to huddle more. And have him be able to, you know, just make sure things are – what he knows is what's going to happen is what's going to happen, and really to develop that leadership within the huddle. Oh, Gary, I, I, I love a huddle. I mean, I, I don't even think it's just for the quarterback. I think it's for everybody on that offense. I think it's it's a chance for you to come together as a team and maybe 
maybe you don't need to say a lot, but sometimes maybe guys need to make it, have a discussion. You know, the guards and tackles maybe need to discuss something. The center needs to get in somebody's face a little bit. But it's a little different when you don't want to do it on the, in the, you don't want to do it when you're standing on the line looking over the sideline for a play. It's really tough to do that with the defensive lineman standing right there next to you. So, you know, and the quarterback can step in the huddle before he calls a play. You know, he can exert his leadership and, uh, however he does it with vocally or, or get on a guy or give a certain look and everybody's, everybody in the huddle's looking at his eyes. Trust me, in a huddle, they're looking up looking at him and they're they're feeding off that whether they know it or not you know does he look confident does he not and uh you miss that when you go to this no huddle stand on the ball and i don't like the the change of play when everybody looks over the sideline and it just takes you out of a flow any rhythm you had and and any focus on what's ahead of you which is the defense you know now you're looking over kind of now readjusting getting back let the quarterback make the call change the play Right, get, you should have options. A check with me that gives you three options as you're coming to the mm-hmm. ball. Check out of it. Make make the call at the line of scrimmage. Get us into the right play. I mean, um, and and really just keep the focus going forward. Not so much what now what you know now what it always looks like the players as a player you feel like oh man now what what do they want us to run now you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more often than not when you spend more time looking over the sideline changing the play getting back. Trying to get back in, in a focus or some sort of concentration, concentrated state, um, you botch the play. I mean, rarely do those look like, look like they were astute play changes at that, in those situations. So. And talk about when, when you took over the, you know, the USC huddle, you, you had an all-star group around you. Um, so how was that for you coming in and, and like you say, asserting your leadership when you got some pretty talented players around you? Um, but I, but I, I just always, and I agree with you. I just always thought the huddle was so important for that look, looking in the quarterback's eyes, and those times when you need to tell the guys, okay, this is what we're doing. This is we're going to do this right here. I've just always thought that's so important. You're right, and it's not only it's it's not only the quarterback. It could be it could be your senior leader. It could be a Bruce sure, Matthews. Sure. It could be a Marcus Allen. It could be someone stepping in that nearly never really talks in that situation, but could step in and say something. And it's, it's really your, your, you know, your, you have the opportunity for everybody to come together between each play. And I'm, I'm not saying maybe, maybe you have some, some no huddle part of, part of mm-hmm. your offense, especially when you get in the flow and you don't need it. But, um, there's different times. I mean, I'm watching, you're watching NFL and they're, they'll huddle up. They won't huddle up. Depends on the time, depends on the clock, depends on, you know, let the quarterback make that decision. And there's a reason, you know, let's come together and let's, let's, Let's communicate here and make sure we everybody's on the same page. And um when you're not doing that, I think I think there's there's more chances for error. And um, you know, it might be it might be the situation where where you have a young player, let's say you have a you have a follow in there tied in and he you know, mm-hmm. there may be some issues that you have on certain plays. So it's just, you know, a lineman can lean over and remind him who's got who. What we're doing, right. depending on the front, just before you go up, you know, after, as you break the huddle, just a quick reminder, you know, and that that could make a world of difference in how the play turns out. I, I agree with that. Uh, let, let, let's talk some fundamentals on JT so far. Uh, uh, just t- t- talk about what you're seeing from uh, his, his command out there, his poise, how he's handling himself for a first five games. What are your thoughts on those areas? 
Well, I think I think it's great. I mean, I think I don't, you know, whether that's taught at modern day, whether it's taught by his family, whether you know, it's just the natural. He's not. He doesn't seem to get too up, too down. Um, doesn't say the wrong things publicly. I think I wish they wouldn't. I wish they wouldn't have put him in front of the media as much. Just let him play football. Um, they seem seem to have kind of propped him up as the face of the offense or the face of 2018. And I think there'll always be time for that. Um, right. I like the policies where, you know, some schools don't let freshmen talk until I think Ohio state does that freshmen can't talk until, um, the end of their first year or full season of their first year. Um, I like that aspect. Uh, you know, it just, just, it just takes a pressure off and lets them focus on school and football. Um, but I think handling the huddle, handling team, given the situation he's in, um, what can you say? You can't, you can't really have too much criticism there. Um, because uh, he's been he's been thrown out there and said let's let's see how you do let's learn it learn the thing as we'll go as we go maybe that hasn't been communicated as much to the fan base <laughs> that says hey we're going to go through some rough spots I think it was but people don't really aren't really tolerant of that as as uh, as USC fans <laughs> given the history of our success so um, but I think uh, you know the, the, my my criticism is more on like some things that. Uh, that are maybe again by play design. Uh, uh-huh. I think ball handling, like we don't seem to have much deception. Um, there aren't many fakes in the backfield. There, if there are, they're kind of token fakes where he's kind of just putting the ball out there to a back and they're like, you know, two feet away from each other and there's no even chance that he's going to get him the ball, but, but still the fake gesture is made. Eyes are downfield looking to pass. So I don't know why we're doing that. If you're going to fake, you fake. I mean, you can hold and freeze linebackers. You can do a lot of things with with well-executed fakes and ball handling. Um, but that seems to have not be crisp. And is, is that because it's not being emphasized fundamentally in practice? You're not spending time on 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 exchanges. You're not spending time on on all those little things that um, that, in my experience, just sends coaches off the cliff. And I think. Because coaches, the way they are, they get so um, so particular about all those little things. They almost, I always think they spend too much time, practice time on those things. Right, like, right. When you see the when you see the other, when you see the result of when you don't, you kind of understand why they do they do spend the pre-practice time on all those little, just just boring mesh drills with the back and and even ball faking and analyzing the ball fake did that look like a real handoff was that would that fool anybody you know instead of just let's just fake that and then just give it a token fake and look downfield okay well what does that do right so that's not going to fool the defense for long yeah yeah <laughs> when, when you're doing that uh yeah. let, let's talk about the ball the balls that he's throwing um which which balls are you liking right now? What, what what are you thinking are his strengths? With I know coming in, people are saying the the, the deep ball. Uh, he missed a couple last week. Um, the boy, yeah, the, guy, the guy has an arm. Yeah, I found that strange that people are complaining about his deep ball. Where that to me, it's if you've watched all five games, that's clearly been a strength. I mean, that's mm-hmm. you know, I kind of joke. I kind of joke during the games if we're if we're screwing up other things, I go let's just throw it deep. I mean, yeah. we seem to have you know. There's a chance we're going to get a penalty. There's a chance he's going to put the ball out there in a good position to to make a catch, and uh, that's I like those odds, you know, especially some of the defensive backs we've seen this year so far. 
I mean, again, even against Texas, I mean, we had success at the deep ball. So mm-hmm. I think, and I think coordinators are seeing that. I mean, I know Arizona noticed that, or they wouldn't be playing too deep zone for a good part of the game. So they know too that that's our strength, and we'll probably and we've shown a a um, desire to go to that when every when all else fails. So mm-hmm. um, and uh, he throw, I think he throws the intermediate route great. Um, uh, came off some, came off some nice, made some nice reads against Arizona and found, found Pittman in the middle early in the game. Uh, made a nice throw to, to follow kind of around the linebacker. They had been working on that in practice. Um, that was again against the two deep zone behind the linebackers in front of the safety and, and, uh, but where I don't see a lot and I wish, you know, it's just short game. I mean, he threw a nice, mm-hmm. great slant against UNLV to, to Amon Brown, but where are those slant routes been? Right. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. Just get the ball, quick release. Um, even quick hitches out on the perimeter. Um, uh, our, our screens right now, we can't run a screen. Either that's not being drilled in practice, or we don't have the linemen we need to get downfield. I think we do, but um, we just have no concept of that. We just don't have the linemen releasing correctly and and um, getting downfield in position to make blocks. Um, it, it's not a hard thing if you drill it, but you got to spend a lot of time on it. You can't just say every now and then we're going to run a drip, we're going to run, run a screen. But JT mm-hmm. needs to learn the nuances too of kind of looking looking it off a little bit, feeling it, not being so obvious it's a screen, and um, and getting the ball off uh, to his back where he has a chance to make some make some reads and cuts and, and get some yards. So. Um, that would be my criticism, and again, is that is that him or is that kind of the play calling setup? Sure, um, but he's obviously got the arm. He's showing that back shoulder throws are pretty impressive. Um, does he force some balls in? I think now and then, yes, but um, for the most part, it hasn't been a problem with three interceptions in five games as a true freshman. I don't think that's been shown to be a big issue. Um, so those so, are those aren't awful numbers for a true freshman through five games. No, no, <laughs> no it's not. It's, it's not. And I think that I think if you go back and see how many deep balls a, a true freshman has has uh, completed. So um, I think that's he would be pushing up against the upper tier of uh, of throwing that well. And I think he'll respect his arm. He doesn't when he under throws balls. I think that might be a a function of 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 uh, maybe he's trying to give the receiver a chance in a covered situation. So maybe in the future he doesn't just throw those, comes off of those. But uh, having so much success on the deep ball early, you kind of go back to that. And that you know, you know, hey, I've had complete, I've had success there. I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying. And he's even said, you know, I like our chances when I throw it up there. So mm-hmm. um, given our, our athletic receivers get versus the DBs. But, you know, as we go down the, as we go down the schedule here, um, you know, We'll, we'll we'll see probably see some better coverage guys as you get towards the end of the year, especially against Notre Dame. Um, but uh, you know, I think the Pac-12 South is set up for for us improving on all of these fronts. I mean, we better you know uh, you better figure out the running game before Utah. I mean, they've got the I think the fourth ranked rushing defense in the country. So um, or we'll just air it out and, and just light them up that way. So um, there's some things coming down the pike that we have to to prepare for and think about um, as it relates to our total offensive scheme. Uh, I'll say this. I, I like the fact, especially this last week, that, that, that as we're going through game by game, 
we, we saw the numbers tilted toward throwing the ball earlier. I certainly like if we get them tilted toward the running game earlier. I, I, I yeah. frankly, if, if we're going to throw the ball, if we're going to run the ball 47 times and throw it 26 every week with JT, boy, I, I'll take my chances with that. Um, I, well, exactly. I really will. And if we could have Washington State DBs every week too, but what's interesting is Washington State's defense is actually is actually ninth, I think ninth ranked in the country. So that's surprising given what we saw of them trying to cover a deep ball when they played us. So um, maybe that's a function of we just put it in the right spot every time, and it makes it really tough on a DB when you do that and you have an accurate deep ball thrower, and the fact that there maybe aren't that many accurate deep ball throwers in the country except except uh, uh, except our guy at Alabama who doesn't seem to miss anything, right? No, so, no he does uh, not. No, he does not. And uh, the other the other criticism I would have of if I had to criticize JT is that is you know he tends to when he tries to escape he tries to escape laterally like run away uh-huh. instead of and this comes with field and kind of instead of stepping up and kind of finding his way through through uh, you know the parted sea sort of and finding and keeping his vision downfield for the whole field and what's in front of him. As soon as you leave the pocket and escape one side, you're kind of that's you're, you're cutting off you know, really three quarters of the field. So, um, and that comes with, that comes with experience and feel. And, uh, so that would be one thing kind of, it's, it's much easier going forward than it is kind of, kind of sideways and then trying to get it down back downfield. Um, I mean, not everybody is a Patrick Mahomes, you know, he, he seems to be the guy that's the expert at it, but, um, that would be, that would be another area that I would, I would tend to say that'll come as we go along here. And again, if it's emphasized from the coaching standpoint, you know, um, you know, you saw, you saw Texas quarterback, um, Ellinger kill us with that, you know, as he uh-huh. stepped up and he just saw, we were playing man coverage behind, him, he saw that all this room, he just took off and he's not a, he's a good runner, but he's not a, he's not a burner, but he got meaningful yards and meaningful first downs, slid, got, got his yards and, uh, really propelled their offense when they really had nothing else as far as open receivers for him to throw to. So you can't do that as much if you're out on the perimeter running away from, running away from pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hear you on that. Um, although it's what I like. One of the things I do like about JT is when, when he does run or when he decides to tuck it, he's, you know, he's not going to confuse you with Michael Vick uh, or by any stretch, but you, you, you could tell there's a, you know, there's an ability there to get what he can get. Um, I, I think ball security is something that uh, is, is going to be a factor as, as he goes along. Um, but I, I yeah, don't well, mind you, him develop. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say ball security, but I don't think it's the same issues we worried about with Sam. I mean, uh, it doesn't seem like it so far. No, uh, no. You know, the one against the, – the, the fumble against uh, Arizona was really – you would assume, and he's a right-handed quarterback, so he's, you know, he's got his back to where the trouble is, and mm-hmm. that's, and that's, you know, that's uh, by getting in a basically a collision with his own his own left tackle and sending a guy free to hit him from the backside. So when you think you got the numbers, you should you have to have confidence in that backside that that's going to be taken yeah. care of. So that fumble yeah. really isn't his fault. Um, where Sam, a lot of things were made because he was just trying to get that last yard or, or escape that one last guy to make a throw, you know, and where you just got at some point live to fight another day. You know, I, I would say that up against Val Follow when he, 
when he caught that ball, it was third and in third and yeah. ten, and he caught the or second yeah. and ten actually. He caught that ball and he got about five six yards. You know, he, he realized the down and distance. Okay, we're going to be in a good shape third and four here if I just go down. He was fighting, and it's not a guy that handles the ball that much. So he's not really adept at, at ball security, protection, you know, knowing who could come from behind because he doesn't have a lot of experience with it. And when you see guys like that fight for the extra yard in that situation, sure enough, that's what caused the fumble. You know, he just needed to get down and realize the down and distance. So um, that's another thing. I mean, he, he made a great throw, great read and throw on that. That was the guy that he had open. And you're saying uh-huh. you get the you give the ball to that guy in that situation. Well, that's not really his thing. He's re- making the reads. Who do I get the ball to? Who's open on this play design? But maybe you don't have follow in the game at that point. Maybe you have another guy substitute in a receiver that you know that um, has has a little more experience catching balls in traffic and in that in a crucial part of the game. So the the one pen I want to follow up on that you made a couple minutes ago talking about throwing the balls to our backs it, it's one thing that has surprised me that we haven't seen that uh as more of an element of our offense especially because you know Clay Helton has mentioned so many times about what good receivers all three backs are uh yeah, these guys we don't catch see, the football yeah we don't seem to have uh we don't seem to have it built in the plays where you know nothing 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 downfield and then you you've got a guy sitting there you know laterally to your left yeah. waiting for a ball yeah. you know now he's yeah. now he's in a position where you know if it's a zone the guy's playing off him so now you get the ball in his hand to let him kind of you know fight for five yards in the open field make the guy make a tackle right so mm-hmm. you don't really see that in our in our play design i think maybe we're we're keeping the we're keeping the back in the block or we're we're taking one out to get an extra receiver and we've seen a lot of empty backfields. So you're not going to, you're not going to get that situation when you go empty. Um, so again, that's more scheme related. Um, but sure would be nice for him to have, you know, know that I, okay, downfield, downfield, downfield's not there. I got a guy here. Right. And then be yeah. aware of who could be hot, who could be potentially, if you're downfield, downfield, downfield that long, then there's not going to, there's not going to be guys sitting right in his face, you know, if the guy's hanging out there uh, to your right against the sideline, they'll be off right. a bit and you get the ball to him and he's very accurate. So it, it's an opportunity to get the ball to him real quick and get five yards. I mean, that's um, we've had success with that in the past. I don't know what, why we're kind of gotten away from that, especially when we got guys that pretty good receivers at running back. So, yeah. 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 Well, that's a, that's a pretty good recap, John. Anything else you want to uh, finish up with? Uh, no, I just think that, uh, you know, uh, going forward, we're going to probably see a lot of the same. Uh, uh, take the deep ball away. That's his strength. Um, but don't give, don't give away the middle. Um, uh, Arizona kind of played some, some real soft cover too and created some windows in the middle of the field. And, uh, I think you're going to see pressure. I think anytime you see, any time you see an opponent, uh, penetrate and have success with pressure on the quarterback, um, you're going to try it. And uh, I'm surprised Arizona didn't try more. Um, they wanted to try to defend in these soft zones. But, uh, you know, I think you gotta, you're going to see these guys try, especially as we get through the Pac-12 South. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you're going to see Arizona State probably, probably play pretty aggressive. Um, you'll see, uh, well, who knows what UCLA will do when, by, by the time we get to them. But Notre Dame surely will, will try some things, especially after the success they had last year shutting down Sam. So, um yeah, so that's that's just be prepared for more of the same. 
maybe some different looks uh, from a from a blitzing standpoint, and uh, kind of force us to force us to pick up pick it up and get in the right coverages. I mean, right pass um, protection schemes. So um, it also creates more preparation time on a when you do that as a defense defensive coordinator and you're and they know you know that you're going to be blitzed a lot. It really takes a lot of practice time um, to get ready for that, and so it takes away from a lot of opportunities to just work man routes, to work teamwork without worrying about blitz pickup. So when you show that you're going to come and bring people, um, you got to be ready as, as a staff to kind of work all that into your practice schedule for the year. The other thing I will say is that being out of practice, this is the first time I've ever seen them emphasize, and I saw, and I, when I saw Cedric, uh, I saw Edric Ware make his long run down the sideline. Uh-huh. Um, how long was that? 65 yards, 69 yards. 69 yards, um, 69 yards. You yeah. know, being out of practice, seeing them, seeing an emphasis um, of a couple times, I saw Clay say, "Hey, don't, don't just, hey, make a, you know, score," and and then a couple times seeing him run the length of the field after just a routine handoff and a team drill, right, going 70 right. yards, like we used to see, right. like Marcus used to do. Like Charles White used to do, like Mike Garrett used to yell at everybody to do when he would come out to practice and as athletic director. And, uh, and, you know, you didn't just see that in the game. I think now they get it. Oh man, I was, that just felt like practice. I, I was, I took it and I was going. I wasn't stopping until I got to the end zone. And when you repeat that, and then, and then you had a back that got the ball once in practice. He just took it one, three yards and stopped for like a five yard game with no one in front of him. And, and Clay jumped him a little bit. And I, I, I First time I've ever seen that. So that's that's a, an improvement that I think in the practice part of our of our team that uh, kind of a practice philosophy that I think carried over to the game and hopefully that continues. Yeah, that's not a small thing when you saw those those yeah. guys like Marcus and Charles do it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's true. Okay, John, appreciate the time. It's a an interesting season with a, with a kid like JT as a true freshman. Um, anxious to see where it yeah. goes the rest of the way. Okay, yep. for John good, for John Major this okay. for John Major this is Gary Pasquitz. You're listening to the We Are SC podcast.